0: Heights to the depths of the
1: sea. Verse 20 says, Remember the word that I said to you: a servant is not greater than his master, Jesus says. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they've kept my word, they will also keep you keep yours also. And see if the world hates the master, they're gonna hate his servants. That's just the way it works.
0: Every creature's is unique. In Glaining, indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name You are amazing God Welcome everyone to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor and Teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus hoped to comfort the disciples with the knowledge that the world's hatred was first directed to him. Jesus attracted attention from great multitudes and devotion from individuals of all kinds. Yet as a whole, the world hated Jesus. He was mostly persecuted by the religious establishment, which mainly reflected the values and goals of the world in opposition to God one may be religious and very much part of the world. It was also to be a factual description of the disciples that in many ways they were different than the world and not of the world. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he concludes chapter 15 in the Gospel of John.
1: Applicable in what we're talking about today, what about abortion? I'm pro-life. Why? Because God is. What does it tell us in Deuteronomy? See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments, his statutes, his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away, God says, so that you do not hear and are drawn away and you worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess it. I call heaven and earth as witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. Choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Yes, choose life. So yes, I am pro-life. Why? Because God is. And if you're a Christian and you're pro-choice, you've got a big problem. You've got a problem with God. You've got a problem with His Word. You need to get that squared away today. And I'm not. I'm not I'm against the LGBTQ movement. And why is it? Is it because I'm unloving and a bigot? No. God loves everybody. And don't, don't misunderstand me, but you've got to understand, God is against it. What does it tell us in Leviticus? And I'm going to read this to you. This is uncomfortable, but people need to hear this. Because it's it's not my opinion. Do you understand? It's not my opinion. It's God's word. And let me tell you, as I read this, no, I'm being serious. As I read this, it's not just about homosexuality either. God hates heterosexual fornication as well people who are living together, not married, continuing to have sexual intercourse with each other, that is as much a sin as this is. We have to understand that. But what does God say? I'm going to read it to you because there may be a time where they're going to throw me in jail for this. They're doing it in Canada. You shall not lie, and this is Leviticus 18, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination nor shall you mate with any animal to to defile yourself with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to mate with it. It is perversion. Do not defile yourself with any of these things, for by all these things the nations are defiled which I am casting out before you for the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and you shall not commit any of these abominations either. Any any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you for all these abominations the men of the land have done who were before you and thus the land is defiled lest the land vomit you also out when you defile it and it is vomited and it is vomited out the nations and it vomited out the nations that were before you for whoever commits any of these abominations the persons who commit them shall be cut off or literally put to death among their people. You know, I think God is just being poetic there. I don't think he really means any of that Do you. Of course he does. It's, it's in plain English. It means the same thing in the Hebrew as it does the English. So their fight is with God. And let me tell you something. God loves the person. Okay, he does. Don't misunderstand me. If you see me getting heated, it's just because there's a lot of tension in this topic and I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated about a lot of things, to be honest with you. I'm trying to deal with these things myself. But this is what the Bible says. And this is what we have to hold to. And never be ashamed of it. Never be ashamed to lovingly confront somebody if they're willing to hear. They may not be willing to hear it. But if they're willing, you can lovingly take them to this passage. Say, look... This is what God says, but you got to know that he loves you, and it's because this is going to destroy you. And why is that? Why is homosexuality bad, especially among males? Well, Let me give you a statistic. Somewhere in the 40s is the lifespan. I forget what it is. Like 42 to 47 is the life expectancy of a gay male. Is it because God wants to spoil their fun or something like that? No, it's because they weren't designed for that. It's all about design. We follow God's design, we're good. We get out of God's design, we're in a lot of trouble. And so we have to obey that. If you want to live, if you want to die, then by all means, continue doing what you're doing. But if you want to live and you want God to love you, you have to abide by His rules because He loves you. He's not a bigot. And let me tell you this He goes after the the heterosexuals too, the male and female. Exodus, you shall not commit adultery. And I think 1 Corinthians 6 sums it all up in one nice little ball. He says, Do, not, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. If they continue in these things without repentance, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. Is that my words? No, you just read them. They're God's words. And folks, we're living in a day today, we need to stand on the word of God. Because they're coming after your kids. They're coming after you. And they're not going to stop. And you don't have to stand in front of your house with a gun. I'd rather stand in front of my house with a Bible. I'd rather say, here's my defense. Where's your defense? Honestly, think about that. If, you, if, if what you think is what you, what you deserve to live in this lifestyle, and that's okay, that's your prerogative, you can live that way. But I want to tell you the truth. Why? Because God loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He doesn't want you to go to hell. But he's not going to stop you if, you, if you're like obstinate, and you're like, no, I'm going to continue doing this because I feel like I've got the right to choose. Well, you do, then choose. But you're going to have to trip over the Son of God before you go there. But these, this is his word. These aren't my words. It's his. And his motivation is love. And I better... <laughs> Where is their source? Honestly. You know, when I share these things, am I, just pulling, am I just telling you these things because I feel this way? Is it just my opinion? No, it's not my opinion. It's all right in here. Where is their argument? Well, I kind of feel like it's, you know, because God's a God of love that we should be able to do it. No. You don't you don't define love and you don't define marriage. You don't define anything. The word of God, God himself defines these things and they're all here. They're all here. You can look. And you can lovingly tell them I'm getting a little anxious, okay? So forgive me, but they need to understand everybody who's involved in sin. It doesn't matter whether you're a drunkard, an extortioner, an adulterer, a fornicator, homosexual, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. It's all here. Right? Is that true? So when you, when you go out and you start sharing with people, just lovingly tell them the truth. You don't have to do it in the you know, animated way that I'm doing it because you want to be gentle, of course, right? But why does God do that? Because he loves people. He wants to inhabit. He wants them all to inhabit heaven. He does not want to see anybody perish, for it is God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Isn't that what it tells us in Second Peter three verse nine? He has no favorites, but we are not to love the world system. In James it tells us adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever there commit wants to be a friend of God or a friend of the world, excuse me, makes himself an enemy of God. Now it's not talking about the world in, in, in the sense of the people, because we know that John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him will not perish but everlasting in life. But that is true. Everyone in the world, but we are not to love the world's system of things. That's what he's talking about. If you're all in what the world is doing, you're going to be in trouble. right? That's why he says... You know, in First John, John chapter 2, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, and he lists them, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God, what? Abides forever. There it is. He abides forever. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it didn't know him. 1 John chapter 4, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And he goes down in verse 5, and he says, They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. Do you ever understand the the, the split that's going on in our country right now and all over the world, actually? Do you know what it is? It's a difference of worldview. It's a clash of worldviews. All their schooling in Harvard and Yale and all those fancy uh, Ivy League schools, and I've been to one of them, all those fancy schools are churning out the most godless people, not all of them, but many, teaching them a worldview that is completely Against the word of God. That's the truth. That's what's happening. So is it any wonder that we're seeing such a clash? It's like we're speaking past one another. They, 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 can't, they don't understand and we don't understand them. But guess what? We have the truth and they don't. And so I think our point of view has a little bit more clout, don't you? And again, I don't mean to be political. I'm just being honest. This is what they need. This is what the governor of every state needs. This is what the president needs. Any president, any president, I don't care if it's Trump or whoever, it doesn't matter. They need this. They need to appropriate this into their life and make every decision based upon this and upon this worldview. That's the bottom line. And you know it to be true, don't you? And so we're not to be of the world. We're of the world, but not to be a part of it. In First John 5, he says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Yes. I was under the sway of the wicked one when I didn't know Christ. Before I came to Christ, I was in his hands and very happy to be so. He made me thankful that I was in his hand because I thought I had all this freedom and all this choice. Oh, I can do whatever I want. And little did I know the the clutch, his clutch, his hands was just gripping around me and to where I could hardly breathe again. It's sort of like a boa constrictor that wraps itself. Oh, this feels nice and warm. And you take and you exhale and then he squeezes a little much and then you squeeze out a little bit more. Pretty soon you can't take a breath in. That's what sin does. That's what Satan does. And that's what he's doing all around the world, and people are ob- oblivious to it. And it's important that we tell them the truth, lovingly tell them the truth. Verse 20 says, Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master, Jesus says. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they've kept my word, they will also keep, you, keep yours also. And see, if the world hates the master, they're going to hate his servants. That's just the way it works. And we need to count the cost of being a disciple for Christ. In fact, in Second Timothy, it tells us that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Don't worry about that. It'll happen in many forms. And thank God in our country, we live in a fairly free country, although the freedoms are being stripped away from us day by day. But Jesus says all these things they will do to you for my name's sake because they do not know him who sent me if i had come if i had not come and spoken to them they would have no sin but now they have no excuse for their sin and this speaks of accountability doesn't it accountability once i hear the truth i'm accountable to that truth once they tell me that I can't run through a red light in, in my driver's training when I'm 17 years old in high school, they tell me, Johnny, you can't run through that red light because if you do, there's going to be a car on the other side that's going to come and smash you and you could potentially die. And i would say, you know, I just don't feel it. I'm just going to do what I want. <laughs> no, you, you You pay attention. And I'm accountable to that truth then. I'm accountable. And he who hates me, Jesus says, hates my father also. If I had not come and done among them the things which no one else did, they would have had no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the world might be fulfilled, that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper, this is the paraclete, the paracletos, the the helper, the comforter, the Holy Spirit of God, notice when Jesus says, he says, when the helper comes, who Jesus said he would send in his name, whom I shall send to you from my Father, the Spirit of truth, not the Spirit of error, but the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, notice, he will testify of me. This word is martyrio, and it literally is where we get our word martyr from. You're going to testify of me. You're going to bear record to give a testimony, to be a witness to what I'm telling you. You're going to be a witness. And this word testify is the same word as witness that we see in the very next verse. But the Holy Spirit won't testify of a man or a movement or a church or a system. He will testify of Jesus Christ. No one else. No one else. And any man who elevates himself, his church fellowship, his, his books, his TV or radio programs, over or more than Jesus Christ or the Word of God is not being led by the Spirit of God. But he's being led by his own spirit. And the worst case scenario, a demonic spirit. <laughs> Did you know that can happen in a church? A man can speak in the pulpit and, and, and be not speaking God's Word at all. It happens all the time. And I hope I'm never one of them. Because if I am, then I need you to tell me. And if I will not change, then I need to leave. But if I keep teaching this and upholding the word of God and upholding Jesus Christ, that's important. That's important. And why is that? We'll end with this verse. Almost. Sorry to keep you late. Bear with me here. (laughs) The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Are you seeing that happening? Oh, it's happening all over the place, even in pulpits. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God has created to be received with thanksgiving for those who believe and know the truth. And Jesus goes back and finally our final verse, he says this, And you also will bear witness. You will be a witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Remember that the gospel accounts were not a bunch of stories that were handed down orally through the ages and thus have been corrupted through time as some deceivers purport. That's not true. These were eyewitness accounts. You read the first couple of verses of Luke and Acts, and what does it tell you? These things happened eyewitness accounts. This is something that wasn't handed down over a period of time and got corrupted through the, the, the oral transmission. No, they, 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 the experts and people in ivory towers, they like to tell you that to, to remove your, your confidence in the word of God. But they don't even know the word of God themselves. But they'll tell you that. But these things were written by eyewitnesses. And an eyewitnesses are the greatest voice in a court of law. An eyewitness. When someone is willing to put themselves under oath in a court of law because of what they saw or what they heard, this is a substantial witness and their testimony carries a great amount of weight. A great amount of weight. And this is who the disciples were. And here's our final verse. And what did they say? What did John say? They were witnesses. They were eyewitnesses. He says, in First John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have noticed, all the senses, what you have heard, what we have seen, that we have looked upon, that our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life. Who is it that he's speaking of? Jesus, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which... That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you. Why? To depress you? (laughs) No, that your joy may be full. That your joy may be full. They walked, they talked, they touched, they heard. And they had the greatest example standing before them, Jesus. The greatest example. And so do we. We have the greatest example who has gone before us. So let's seek to live like Jesus lived, to be governed by his Holy Spirit. And let's count the cost of this discipleship with him and understand that we do live in enemy territory. And let's learn to continue to abide in Jesus and make no provision for the flesh. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this passage, Lord. So many things in here, Lord. And, and Lord, we, we just thank you for your sweet presence. Lord, we thank you that you love us with an everlasting love and that you're not angry with any of us. Even, even when on our, on our worst days, Lord, you hate the sin, but you love the sinner. And Lord, I qualify. I'm a sinner, God. And I need you today more than ever. And I ask that you would fill my life and the lives of my brothers and sisters. Lord, fill us and help us to abide in you, to have that place of remaining always. Lord, would you do a new thing in us? Would you do a new thing in our fellowship? Would you do a new thing in our country, Lord? Its hands are so bloody. Our sins have reached to heaven, Lord. We are no different than Babylon of old. In Babylon, that's coming, and yet in the future, we are no different, God. Would you forgive us corporately in this country for our sins, the many abortions, the adulteries, the fornications, Lord, all of this stuff that we are so filled and guilty of. Would you please, Lord, forgive us and cleanse us and wash us in the blood of Christ and send us out. Save us. Save us, Lord. Save us eternally and save us, this country. Save it, Lord, please. We ask it in your precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.
0: That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023 just click the school link at the top of the page for more information additionally you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link.